0: Hello, Grace. This is Blake. I'm alongside Pastor Ryan. We're continuing our walk through the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. This week, we are in Chapter 15. This is Of Repentance Unto Life and Salvation. Pastor Ryan, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Well, what would you like to highlight for us this week in this chapter?
1: Yeah, brother, I thought I might just give a a nugget or a highlight from each of the paragraphs. You know, when a person reads this section, they may be struck with the first words of uh, the uh, the chapter because it says, such of the elect as are converted at riper years, having sometimes lived in the state of nature. And they may be thinking, well, what are, what are the riper years? Um, I think we've referred several times to that book that just came out written by uh, Jim Renahan, who's really a scholar and an expert on our confession entitled To the Judicious and Impartial Reader, he actually makes the argument that because the confession works together and fits together, we have to often read the confession as a whole document, and that the confession has already spoken to elect infants, and that what may be going on here in the time is that this phrase "riper years" should be, as he says, quote, "contrasts infants with those who are able to hear and believe the gospel," um, mm-hmm. and that, in in one sense, it doesn't have to be just an old person, but that as the confession is read uh, as a whole, that here you have some people who may be converted, but later in their life, mm-hmm. you know, they're not uh, infants, or they're they're not even young children, um, but they've they've um, Lived for a period of, of time. The the age, of course, is not given. So that's that's a way to kind of think through this. Yeah, it's um,
0: almost a, f- a surprising first
1: yeah, sentence. Yeah, 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 and there's a little bit of some history that he gives regarding how this differs from other confessions like it from the 1600s. Um, but paragraph two, I think, is a helpful statement. It reads this way: Whereas there is none that doth good and sinneth not. And the best of men may, through the power and deceitfulness of their corruption dwelling in them, with the prevalency of temptation, fall into great sins and provocations, God hath in the covenant of grace mercifully provided that believers so sinning and falling be renewed through repentance unto salvation. Again, this is very pastoral, because it reminds us that even great sins among Christ's people are forgiven. and. In chapter 14 that we just talked about last time, there's reference to the covenant of grace. Here in chapter 15, there's reference to the covenant of grace. This takes us all the way back to chapter 7, where the covenant that God makes with people in Christ is referenced. But great sins are forgiven believers in this covenantal transaction that we have with God in Christ. Paragraph 3 calls repentance an evangelical, or we could translate that gospel, an evangelical grace. So even our repentance is a grace of God Mm -hmm. and it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And then we get a description of it, right? Where a person is made sensible of the evils of sin and humbles himself or herself with godly sorrow and hatred for sin, praying Mm -hmm. for pardon and strength of grace. There's a wonderful definition here of of repentance.
0: Um, Yes, and you know... This is chapter fifteen. Right before this is the chapter on saving faith. Yeah, that's and good, the, and that's and that's purposeful. Yeah. So you would say, and the confession I think would say that faith precedes repentance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and in a sense, well, I, yeah, I, I would say faith, faith and repentance sometimes go together like two sides of the same coin. But I also think when when you're repenting, you you are having you're having faith or having a pre-existent faith in christ right right Par- paragraph four talks about how repentance is not a one-time thing we live lives of lives of repentance and that we ought to be continuing as believers to repent of our known sins particularly but then one of my favorite paragraphs in all the confession is paragraph five of chapter 15 that It reminds us. It's very beautiful. Sometimes I get tears in my eyes when I read it, but it speaks to the fact that even though there is no sin so small, but it deserves damnation, yet there is no sin so great that it shall bring damnation on them that repent. Mm, That's a great line. There's a beautiful hope there for believers who find themselves perhaps in deeper sin than they've walked in before. Mm -hmm. That they may repent forward in Christ, resting on him. So this is just a beautiful chapter, another pastoral chapter and richly theological chapter. Brother, yeah. anything you would say about it or add?
0: Well, after what you just said, that the very last line, because no sin is so great that it can't be forgiven, uh, it says that the constant preaching of repentance is yep. necessary. Yep. So the preaching of repentance is also for the church. Yes, we preach it uh, to, to the unbelieving, but it's also a grace to us, yes. to God's people. Uh, and that, too, is very pastoral, very very clarifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Well, Grace, I uh, hope this has been helpful. Lord willing, we'll be in chapter 16 next week. That chapter is of good works. Lord willing, see you guys then.